Hey, uh, we're jumping into this series and uh, just, uh, we are really walking verse by verse, if not phrase by phrase in Romans chapter 10. Let me give you a big picture view of what Romans chapter 10 is all about. It's written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans, right? And it is, it, he is mindful of lost people. When we come to Romans chapter 10, he's been going through a lot of theology and helping us understand the things of God and understanding God even more in, intently as we move into uh, actually the last half of nine into chapter 10, Paul turns his heart toward lost people. And sadly, his heart is for the people in the church that are lost. Now, that should shock some of you. Because some of you maybe think, well, in the church, isn't everybody saved? You know, back in those days, in Bible times, we'll call it, back in Bible times, there were people in the church that got so stuck in their religion, they got so stuck in the repetition of doing church, that they lost sight of who Jesus was and what Jesus had done for them. They had been so good at keeping the law of righteousness that they missed Jesus and what Jesus had done for them on the cross. They had missed it. People in the church missed it. And so Paul, in Romans end of 9, going into 10, Romans 10, you see in verse 1, you see the heart of Paul as he is writing this letter. He says, my heart, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer is that for them, for their what? Salvation. Paul desires the people around him to know Christ. He wants them to know Christ. Paul considers himself the apostle to the lost people. He considers himself the apostle that goes to the Gentiles. He goes to the people out of the country. He considers himself the one that goes, goes, goes. And that is the calling of God on his life. And Paul, in the very first verse of this passage of Scripture, is really, I mean, there are two amazing things that I want us to pull from this. That even in the first verse, that need to apply to us in the church. Now, I'm going to be honest, we're, I'm going to, I might step on some toes tonight, right? But in, in church, we would hope that God would step on our toes. So here my toes start stepping, God. And so as I look into this word and I start to look and to understand who Paul is and what he desires and what he's trying to communicate here in Romans chapter 10, there are two things. The first one, you got it there on your talk sheet. The first one is that he is thinking about their lostness. And how it moves our feet. I want you to see that, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire. (laughs) Paul, who is one of the apostles, if you know the story of Paul, Paul wasn't always a Christian his whole life. He had the Damascus Road experience. He met Jesus on the road right? Blinded him. and I shared the gospel with him. He came to faith in Christ. But before that time, he was not very happy with Christians. He was known at the stoning of Stephen. He was known to hold the coats of those that were stoning him. His mission before Christ was to take out all the Christians in the church. He didn't like them. He himself 
was a religious leader in the church, known in the church. He himself was known. He was one of the people that he's talking about in Romans chapter 10. And so for him to say, my heart's desire is for their salvation, he's identifying with the people that he's speaking to because he knows who he's speaking to. He knows that he's speaking to the people in the church that have missed Jesus. And his heart's desire is to share the gospel with them. His longing, he thinks about them, he knows their lostness, and he is desiring for them to come into a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. That they would place their faith and their hope not in the law, but in Christ himself. And so as you dig into this passage of Scripture, you see Paul's passion for the lost. I want to ask you a deep question. How passionate are you for the lost people in your life? Do you think about them? For some of you, you were probably lost before, right? Before Christ, what was your life like? Some of you can articulate that. You have an incredible testimony. You know that. Many of our leaders have great testimonies about that. Let them share that testimony of how they were lost, and then Jesus came into their life, and now they are saved. Saved from what? Saved from their lostness, because in their lostness, they were destined for hell. Separated from Jesus, separated from God, without saving work of Jesus over their heart and their life, their ultimate end in life is death. An eternal death, a physical death. Paul understands the people that he's trying to reach. He thinks about them. He prays for them. He desires for them to hear the gospel. What about you? Is there a stirring, at least a stirring in your heart, that for the lost people in your life, that they would know Christ? My heart breaks when I think about teenagers that God has called me to minister to, that ignore Jesus, that reject him. And I've had several students over the years that have outright told me, no, Steve, I'm good. And they reject the gospel. And it saddens my heart to think that without saving work of Jesus over their heart and their life, hell is eternal for them. It bothers me. Does it bother you? That some of your closest friends who you just try to accommodate, without Jesus, they're headed for hell. Without someone like you saying something to them, and without giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond. There's a reason why God's placed those people in your life for such a time as this. There's a reason for it. I want you to think in your head, in your heart, why am I in their life? Think about all the relationships that are in your life. So many of you have started working during covid right? <laughs> Things kind of shut down here at church, like y'all went to work, right? A lot of you are working. And it's kind of fun when you roll up to, you know, well, any Chick-fil-A and you get to hang out with any Bellevue HSM person. You could go to any location that are close to the church and there's a Bellevue high school student working, right? Even a firehouse subs. You walk into a firehouse subs and every one of them are behind the desk going, hey, I know you, right? Uh, here's the thing. Think about the people in your life. Think about your family members, and here, I want to challenge you in this. Think about them spiritually. Don't just think about them, oh, they have nice hair, you know, or, oh, they're, you know, they got cool kicks on. No, I mean, I, 
I want you to think about them spiritually. Where are they in their relationship with God? And if you cannot answer that question of whether their eternity is sealed in Jesus because they are a Christ follower, if you can't answer that question question correctly, then maybe it's time to back up the train and start that conversation with the people that you love the most. Do they know Jesus? Have they had the opportunity to hear the gospel from you? So number one, we think about their lostness. But Paul also mentions in this first verse, not my heart's desire. He says, and my what? Prayer. He says, my heart's desire, which we just talked about it, but also my prayer is for these people, for lost people. You know, I'm going to tell you what praying for your friends is not. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, we pray for our friends. We need to pray for them by name. We need to make sure that, but here's what, when we choose not to pray for lost people, and many of us, this is where I think Jesus starts stepping on toes. The tragedy of not praying for them has big consequences. No prayer, no spiritual passion. No prayer, no compassion. No prayer, your faith is stagnant. Now, I don't know about you. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Like, I, I love Jesus a lot, right? I don't want my faith to be stagnant. I don't want my pursuit of Christ to kind of wane. Y'all, I'm 47 years old. I've been doing this a long time. I've been a Christian for a long time. And the same passion when I experienced Jesus when I was eight. Oh yeah, there have been days up and down in my life. But right here, right now, 47 years later, I love Jesus a lot. And I never want my faith to be stagnant. And I understand that if I don't want it to be stagnant, then I have to be communicating with God. I need to be prayerful. I need to be mindful. I need to have communication with him. Y'all, if you're not praying, it has big consequences in your life. And so many of us, so many of us, go through the course of our day checking the boxes, and that's not one of them. And it's time for us to rake up and to realize that how valuable prayer is, not only for you and your faith, but how you begin to pray and seek God on behalf of those lost people that are in your life. Are you praying for them daily? Are you writing their names down in a journal? Do you have them on a prayer card? Is is there something that reminds you of them, that you're praying for them, and that you're trying your best and seizing the moments that are best for you to be able to pray with them and to encourage them? Y'all, I can't tell you how big a deal this is. Paul was constantly praying for his lost people in his life. I think he was walking through every town thinking spiritually about every single person that was walking around him. Can you imagine doing that? You walk into Starbucks and the barista gives you your tall frappuccino, cappuccino, caramel something or whatever, right? Your sugary drink that gets you jacked up for 10 minutes. Like, you're going to go, have you ever thought spiritually about that barista? Have you thought spiritually about the people that are around your life? Maybe it's the, the, the neighbor across the street or next door to you 
Because you're quarantined in your house. You're spending a lot of time in your house. Are you mindful? Are you praying for the people around you that are in your life? Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a family member that's close to you but far from God. Are you thinking about them? Are you praying for them? You know what? I came across, across uh, that was really great. Um, came across a really, thank you, uh, a really cool quote. And it's the difference between, get this, motion and action. And I was like, okay, what? I, I got a little curious. So I kept reading. What does he mean by that? So in this book, it's dealing with the habits that we have in our lives. And if we want to maintain a habit, we got to, you know, there's a difference between thinking about the habit, but there's also another thing about doing the habit, good or bad, whatever it may be. And I began to look at this and began to really think about, think about it spiritually and how it relates to my faith and how it relates to how I need to share the gospel with the people around me. I think a lot of the people in the church are in motion to share the gospel, but there's no action. Let me read this quote. When you're in motion, you're planning and strategizing and learning. Those are all good things, but they don't produce a result. Action, on the other hand, is the type of behavior that will deliver an outcome. And I went, ooh, God, you're, you're stepping on me. Like, ooh. Uh, because in many ways, in a lot of different years, I have found myself circling in motion but I've never been in action. Oh, I have been going to all the evangelism classes. Oh, I have been going to all of these different, you know, different trainings on how to share your faith and do all those things. Oh, I've been learning. I've been strategizing. I've been praying. I've been doing all those things. Those, all those things are good, but they are motion. They're not action. But if motion doesn't lead to results, then why do we do it? Sometimes, we do it because we actually need a plan to learn more, but more often than not, we do it because motion allows us to feel like we're making progress without running a risk of failure. We think motion is okay. We think, okay, I'm just going to learn about how to share the gospel. I'm going to learn about sharing the gospel. I'm going to practice, practice, practice. But whenever do you? And we run in circles in motion because we are afraid of failure. Hmm. Most of us are experts at avoiding criticism. It doesn't feel good or to fail or to be judged publicly, so we tend to avoid situations where that might happen. That's the biggest reason why you slip into motion rather than taking actions. You want to delay failure. Okay, God, you're speaking. Because I'm guilty of this, and I think a lot of us are. Oh, you know how to share the gospel. Well, when was the last time you actually did? Because that's the difference between motion and action. How are you in action moving for the gospel? Here's what I think, and I want to flip it on its head when it comes to failure in sharing the gospel. This is going to be, oh, this is going to hurt. I'm sorry. Maybe silence is failure. 
Oh, you might be able to, maybe that's what failure looks like in sharing the gospel, is when you're silent. Guys, I understand that this is so tough. It is weighty in the room right now. But I want to encourage you tonight. I, I really am passionate about this in 2021. I genuinely, with all of my heart and passion, I want to see lost people get saved. And if that's your passion, then let's go. I want our ministry and I want you to be so equipped to share the gospel that at any given point, any given point, whether it's in the Chick-fil-A drive through line or the Starbucks line or at school over a, <laughs> a prepackaged meal, like <laughs> with a mask on, you are ready to go. You know the gospel. You know the message of the gospel. And you're willing to share it at any given point, any given time, because you love and you are mindful of the people around you that are lost and dying and going to hell. And so I'm issuing a challenge to all of us, leaders included, all of us, that way, may we be a ministry that moves and a ministry that sees and values and celebrates lost people getting saved. When your friends get saved, it ought to go nuts up in this joint, right? It, it really ought to go ballistic because somebody was lost, but now they are found. Someone was headed to hell, but now, no, not anymore. They're stepping on streets of gold when the time comes. You know what I mean? That is a good thing to get fired up about. And I want to start celebrating that. I want to start celebrating you. When you are passionate about sharing the gospel and you actually share the gospel, I want to celebrate with you. I want you to text me when you do it. I want to know when it happens. Because I'm going to <laughs> barbaric yelp. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> that's a Dead Poet Society quote right there. Oh! Like, I want to just get so fired up for you because that is a great thing to see the people around you come to faith in Christ and their eternity be changed. And we get to be a part of that, to celebrate that and to see that. When the waters of baptism are like waves, oh, that's a good thing. There's a reason why I go two fists up in the baptism. Haven't you seen me do this? Like, I go two fists up because I get passionate about that because this is an amazing moment. Someone is going public with their profession of faith that they made. That is something to get excited about. You ought to hoop and holler about that thing. Don't let that sanctuary get quiet when somebody gets baptized. We ought to see that. When one of our friends gets baptized, oh, we should be flooded that little, little viewing area, socially distant and masked anyway. But we ought to fill that place and be yelling for them as they are celebrating Jesus changing their life. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Paul was passionate about. I want to challenge you. Are you passionate about that too? Do you want to see the lost people around you get saved? Start thinking about them. Start identifying with them. That's our final thought. Movement for the gospel happens best when we pray and identify with lost people. Who are you praying for? You already have their name. You prayed for them earlier, right? Maybe hearing the challenge of the gospel. Maybe hearing Paul in his letter talk about his heart's cry and his prayer. Oh, maybe this is stirring you up to be praying for them. 